Hi, I'm Katrina Daniel, and welcome to Primetime Crime, a podcast for people who want to know what goes on behind the scenes of the most notorious trending crime stories and what's going on in the minds of those involved in those stories. What are the detectives, the judges, the defense attorneys, and the prosecutors thinking? You'll hear it all on Primetime Crime, the podcast. This is Primetime Crime. I'm Katrina Daniel. And today our focus is the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, the 17-year-old who took his AR-15 assault rifle out for a walk and shot three people during a Black Lives Matter protest in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Reading about Rittenhouse, you see he's a white power wannabe kid who likes guns, tried to be a police cadet, and got his assault rifle illegally. An older friend bought it for him. And now Kyle is 18 and being tried as an adult, facing homicide and several other serious charges. To help us break down what's happening in this trial, from a defense point of view, criminal defense attorney Joe Rosenbaum, who ironically has the same name as one of the two men Rittenhouse shot and killed. First, we'll hear from ABC7 News in Chicago. You know, the judge made some big decisions before this trial. We know a use of force expert can testify. The jury will see how police welcomed Rittenhouse and others with guns. The two people killed won't be called victims. They can be called rioters, looters, or arsonists if there's evidence to prove it. All of these pieces, how do they play into the outcome of this trial? Well, the, the net effect is they make it a little bit easier for the defendant to establish his defense. So he can call a use of force expert to argue that his use of force was reasonable. Evidence that the police welcomed him would suggest that he was there for a proper purpose and that he wasn't there to, to look out for trouble uh, and or to cause trouble. And um, the, the, uh, the, the net effect of all of these rulings, the idea that he can, uh, the victims, they can't be called victims, uh, makes it a little easier for him to say, look, I, I was there for the right reason. I had the right uh, frame of mind. I, I didn't intentionally cause anybody's murder. My guest today is defense attorney extraordinaire, and I've called him that before, and I'm always surprised at how well prepared Joseph Rosenbaum is. Joe, the irony of this case, of course, is that a victim who can't be called a victim, according to the judge, in this case of Kyle Rittenhouse, is named Joseph Rosenbaum, and he's 36 years old, and he's one of the two people Kyle Rittenhouse shot. And I'm not even going to use the word allegedly. So there, let's talk about the defense. If you were defending this kid who is now 18, but when he did this, he was running down the street with an AR-15 strapped to his body. He was only 17. So Joe, how can you defend this kid? Well, the only defense there can be, because it's without a doubt that he's the one that shot Joseph Rosenbaum and then shot uh, Anthony Hubbard and Gage Graswitz, Graswitz and, and, and Hubbard shooting are on video. So that's pretty clear. The um, Joseph Rosenbaum shooting, you see them in the parking lot, but when the shots are fired, um, you hear the shots, you hear the, the sound of the shots, but as far as I know, there's no video of the actual shooting. However, there is an eyewitness uh, to the shooting named Richie McGinnis, who the government had already called, who was a journalist for the conservative website Daily Caller, uh, and he's the chief video director. So 
the defense is using him because his version of the story lays out a self-defense argument for the defense and the jury could accept that and find him not guilty for the, the homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum. They're going to have a tougher time on the other two. Yeah, let's go back to basics. You're going to a march of Black Lives Matter and you're going with an AR-15. What did you think you were going to do? Read poetry? Well, there were a lot of people. Oh, Wisconsin has an open carry law. This is a confluence of bizarre events that resulted in tragedy. Um, this kind of shows you what happens when there's open carry laws. So you have the open carry law and everybody can carry a weapon as long as they're of age and legally can possess a firearm, they can open carry. You can't he do that in the state of, of age. I know that, I know that. But he's there, he's 17, uh, at, the, at the time, he's now 18. At the time he could not open carry and that's one of the charges that's against him. It's the least serious charge. Yeah but it's there and a friend of his who was of age who's already testified purchased the weapon for him now rittenhouse lived in antioch illinois he didn't even he's not even from kenosha wisconsin so he had to travel there to say he was defending you know the buildings and the property of his town or whatever well that's not really true uh he went there for whatever reasons and was clearly doing an open carry as well as carrying a medic bag and um there were a lot of people like that there. And you had the protesters, the Black Lives Matter protesters that were protesting the shooting of Jacob Blake. And there was a lot of looting and burning the night before or so. So a lot of people showed up with their weapons, military gear, weapons. Most of these people were white and they were there, they say, to protect property and further looting and burning of Kenosha, Wisconsin. They're not doing anything illegal. So the police couldn't do anything to, to calm that part down. But the other confluence that happened was the night of the shootings, the police, and they should have known where the military guys were, they were open and obvious. They pushed the protesters, the Black Lives Matter protesters down Sherman Street, right into where the military guys were, who were guarding the stores that had the problems with the looting and the burning the night before. So by the police pushing them down that street, whether intentionally or not, or ignorant or not knowing what's going on, they put the, the protesters right in the middle of the military guys who were guarding the stores where there was no problem before. Now they created the confrontation. By the police ah. moving them, there's a confrontation between BLM and the uh, fellows with the, with the guns. And therein creates the first problem. And here's the other deal. Everybody was in curfew violation. The police were going over the BLMs for curfew violation. They didn't do anything with the white, Caucasian, armed, military-style folks that were there. Because so they were the scared of them. Well, that's the problem. See, you got to enforce the law equally among everybody. I completely agree. And they didn't. So now you've got armed guys there. BLMs, everybody's in violation, and the only ones the police are really pushing back are the BLMs, and they're giving water and refreshments to the military guys and thanking them for their service. So that's kind of bizarre. The police chief professes ignorance to all this, which is amazing, because there's got to be a command post. There had to be intelligence. They had to have officers in the crowd playing clothes, but he professes ignorance to all this, which kind of boggles my mind. So now you have this tense situation 
and you have everybody together. And Rosenbaum, there's different accounts. One account has Rosenbaum causing some problems early on. Then as Rittenhouse approaches Rosenbaum, there are people that see Rittenhouse chase Rosenbaum into the used car lot. There is also an FBI helicopter that took an infrared yep. and confirms this. That differs from what Richie McGinnis said. Richie McGinnis said Rosenbaum went at Kyle Rittenhouse. Now, at some point he might have, but here's a guy being chased by an armed fellow and there's no video of where it happened. I haven't seen any crime scene diagrams or anything, but if you're being confronted by, by a young kid with a rifle, and by all accounts, and Rittenhouse went at him, Rosenbaum was able to kind of dodge the gun, and then all of a sudden these shots went out. When you watch the video, you don't see it, but you hear rapid fire. Now, a semi-automatic rifle is a rifle that every time you want to fire, you have to pull the trigger. You can do it real fast, but it's not automatic where you just hold the trigger and it keeps firing. So you just you don't have to reload. You don't have to put another bullet in the chamber. It's just bang, 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 bang. And if you hear the shots, my impression was that they happen fairly quickly and do not fit in with what Richie McGinnis says. Now, Rosenbaum was shot once in the pelvis, I think, and once in the leg. But the coup de grace shot, he was lying down and he was shot in the back. That's a problem for the That's defense. really hard to defend. Gee, I was scared to death of the guy lying face down in the street with uh, two bullets in him. Gee, yeah, that's self-defense. See, but that, 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 that's the problem with the defense. Now, if a guy's coming at you with a gun and you're wrestling the gun, if that's what happened, I don't know what the defense is going to do. They're probably, they're going to have to put this kid on the stand. Uh, if they don't put the kid on the stand, they're going to have a problem establishing self-defense for this particular case. And this is, this is an intentional homicide. This is a life felony. So they got to figure out how, unless there's other witnesses there that saw what happened, but I don't think McGinnis really gives them a self-defense argument along with the physical evidence, the medical examiner and the trajectory of the bullets and the one in the back, which was the one that killed him. So I think they have a problem there. Then the guy's down, people render him aid. This kid has a medic pack on, but he runs. If it was self-defense, you take your gun off, you stick around, you have your hands up, you explain yourself, but he runs and he still has his gun. And people are pointing him as he's running down the street saying, he just shot somebody. I listened and saw all of that. He just, he's the one who just shot those people. He's just, he's the dude that just shot those people. I heard that on the video. Now, now the other thing is, let's go back a little bit. Before Rittenhouse shot Rosenbaum, there was another fellow in the parking lot of the used car lot who fired a single shot into the air that just proceeded. So you have these things going on, these external sources going on, which if you hear a shot, you've got a gun, the other guy doesn't, he's being chased, he's going after the other guy. You don't know where that shot came from. So it becomes a situation that just spiraled out of control. But as far as the shot in the back, to me, that's the worst piece of evidence for the self-defense argument on Rosenbaum. So now you have the kid running down the street, people are pointing at him. And the first one that, that, that well, there's other people involved that tried to get him is Anthony Hubbard. He comes with his skateboard. It looks like he hits him with it, but not hard. Rittenhouse is on the ground, but as he hits him, Rittenhouse fires one shot, which goes into his chest or stomach. And it's a fatal shot. And this kid dies. 
Then you have um, Gage Graskowitz, who's a medic, but he has a firearm for his own protection because he's going to run to help people. And he came there to render aid. And as he's approaching Kyle Rittenhouse, Rittenhouse shoots him, but shoots him in the arm. So he runs away and he survives and he's going to be a witness for the state. And that's going to be a, a tough witness because I don't know what he said before. I don't know what he could say about the um, Huber shooting, but it's on those two shootings are on video and I'm sure they have witnesses to explain it. And those are going to be, even though it may look like Hubbard attacked Rittenhouse, Rittenhouse was just, everyone said he just shot somebody. He still has the gun. And he went over there to apprehend him, to keep to, to hold on to him. He had the skateboard, that's all he had. But you know, anything could be a deadly weapon. But the way I saw it used in the video, it didn't look like it was being used as a deadly weapon. But the defense is gonna argue otherwise and say he was now in imminent fear of great bodily harm or death. That's the only time you can use deadly force. You gotta be in fear of great bodily harm or death at that instant, right then and there. Not two minutes later, not 30 seconds later, right then and there. And I'm not sure it reaches that level. And the other fellow, the, uh, the medic, Gage, he had his gun and it looked like it was out. That's going to be another argument. He sees a guy coming at him with a gun and he shoots him. That might be self-defense, depending upon all the other witnesses and what comes into evidence. I mean, there is, are the makings of a self-defense argument for those counts. Uh, for possession of the gun by a minor, he has no defense to that one. But for the uh, the homicide counts, he's 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 got a little bit of a, a problem. You think? Let's talk about Judge Bruce Schroeder. He's seventy five years old. He's the longest serving judge in the state. He has kind of a controversial past when you look at him. He was recently caught on camera using the N word. That's a bad decision, Your Honor. So now he's allowing the defense not to use the word victims. They can't be victims. The prosecution can't call them victims. What do you call them? Guys who were shot to death by uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. No, you call them by their names. You have to humanize them. I never call people. The only one I don't humanize when I was a prosecutor is the defendant. He's a defendant, defendant, defendant. But if you're- but These guys if, are victims. Two are dead. Come on. But, he, but here, here's the thing. I'd rather call them by their names. I'd rather call them Joseph Rosenbaum, Anthony Hubber, and make the jury know their names. These are people that received injury or, and or died. Use their names. You don't have to call them a victim. It's common sense that they're victims. Just because you don't use the word victim, you can use other things to show that Joseph Rosenbaum was murdered by Kyle Rittenhouse. Anthony Hubbard was murdered by Kyle Rittenhouse, and he was assaulted uh, Gage Grosswitz. I mean, you don't have to use the word victim. I understand the ruling. I mean, it's a little, a little strange, but he's going to allow the defense to use the word looters and rioters. So, you know. And arsonists. And that's not, that's only hearsay also. You have no evidence thus far that they were rioters, looters, or arsonists from the night before. No, you don't see that or that night. There's nothing on video or any evidence to support that. So that may not come out either. Um, he did make a good ruling by excusing that one juror who made that off-color joke about Jacob Blake. Um, that was a good ruling. Tell um, us that ruling. Re recount that whole situation for us. One of the jurors got kicked off the jury because he did what? Uh, the night before when he's being escorted to his car by one of the um, court administrators or whatever, uh, he made an 
an off-color joke about Jacob Blake. I've never, I don't know what the joke is. It wasn't okay. repeated in court. I haven't seen it in print anywhere, but it was brought to the attention of the judge and the judge brought it up and thought in order to instill uh, the public's confidence in the in the trial jury trial that it needs to be fair. And that kind of joke shows that this uh, juror may not be impartial and therefore excuse them. That was a good call. Well, you have to also give kudos to the marshal or whoever in law enforcement escorted him and then promptly reported that remark. That guy deserves a pat or that female deserves a pat on the back for being honest. Absolutely. And doing their job. All right. What do you think is going to happen here? I need to hear more. Okay. You know, they've only had like one or two days of testimony. Uh, this, this case is going to take a couple weeks. I need to hear the forensic evidence, the medical examiner. Um, I need to see what other witnesses, because there were a bunch of people around and only a few of them got some attention. Now, the interesting thing is Richie McGinnis, who testified already in one of the counts as a, as a victim, and I'm not sure why. I, I don't know enough about the case, why he's there. I focus mostly on Rosenbaum, Hubber, and, and Grosskreutz, but he's listed as a victim as well. Um, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I, there may be a mixed verdict, some guilty, some not guilty. I think possession of firearm by a minor is, is a given, but I'm not sure about the others. Let's see how well the defense does. Let's see what they can argue. What does the defense have to do here? Well, they have to show that Kyle Rittenhouse was in imminent fear of great bodily harm or death at the time he fired the shots. And in his mind, it was either him or me, period. I don't know if Wisconsin has a stand your ground statute. I, I'm not sure that I looked at their self-defense, but I think in this case, in the way things were, he had no choice but to stand his ground and, and make, at least for the last two shootings. The first one, again, it's gonna be testimony. There's no video of it. You can hear the shots, they're real close together. And getting shot in the back is not good on a self-defense case, especially since that was the coup de grace. I think we're gonna obviously take another look at this as the trial progresses. That's a good idea. The other trial that's going on that's, that may be even more interesting is the one in Glen County, Georgia. There's 11 whites on the jury, there's one black. They systematically excluded blacks, but they were able to um, give race neutral reasons. So the judge said, I have no choice under the law, but to keep them. And that's the way Georgia law is. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But it's not necessarily a bad thing because, you know, it doesn't matter what color you are. You see people acting like that and do yeah. what they did to Ahmad Aubrey. That's just that's just not tolerable. No, it isn't. And their defense is self-defense, too. But I don't see self-defense in that one. They weren't in imminent danger of great bodily injury or death. So who knows? Joe Rosenbaum, thanks again for your time and your very valuable information. And we will revisit this case as it develops. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Primetime Crime, the podcast. Follow us on Facebook at Primetime Crime and on Instagram and Twitter at Primetime Crime underscore. Post your comments and tell us what true crime stories you'd like to hear about. Subscribe to Primetime Crime on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Thanks a lot.